Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi everybody and welcome to SCL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. This is show 205 for the 23rd of September 2012. My name's Rob from Rob.com and uh, it's quarter past nine in the evening. Suzanne is upstairs watching Downton Abbey, episode two of the new season, so it's my chance to come down and record a podcast. My apologies for the long delay. Um, since the last podcast, um, there's been a lot on at work and at home. I've been adding quite a bit of content to Um And as you know, <laughs> the ongoing saga of audio problems, I tend to... I, I, I'm just so unlucky with um, headphones and uh, headsets and stuff. I just seem to break them incredibly easily. And so for the past couple of podcasts I've been recording them on my phone again but the problem with that is it is they're not very listenable um I find hopefully with this headset I've just got we went to Asda which is like a supermarket in the UK owned by Walmart now and in Gosport and I'm always on the lookout for cheap stuff in their little electronic section and they had some Microsoft USB headsets with a USB it's, it's always important to get USB ones because that way you're not mucking around with the line-ins on your laptop or your PC which are notoriously rubbish but if you can get USB it tends to get rid of lots of the pops and crackles and background hums that I've traditionally suffered with and hopefully it'll mean that you won't get those really hard S's and T's that you some that you get on, on the other pack so bear with me and as ever I'm so thankful to everybody who's put up with the dreadful sound quality <laughs> it's funny isn't it a podcast you know the one thing that I should really spend at least some money on would be a decent headset to get decent sound but you know talk about being the um, the frugal photographer the photographer on a budget I'd rather spend my money on other things but anyway it's good to be talking to everybody again and um, yeah I've got an idea for next week's or next couple of weeks podcast as well I'm going to do some book reviews but this week it's going to be about um, what I'm going to talk about some work I've done taking some photographs of a toy helicopter that um, I've got the other day and for alls and um, about creating your own PDF portfolio of your work which I found a very useful and cathartic experience. So first up, one of the things that happens is when, when you have your own website or blog, um, occasionally, not as often as I'd like, companies 
ask you to uh, review their products and they might even send you some for free um, I've been quite lucky in the past people like Epson have sent me scanners um, Lens Baby sent me a load of their stuff various other companies and one of the other ways that if you've got a website out there and if you want to uh, make the most of it you can go to fuelmyblog.com I think it is if you just do a quick google search for fuelmyblog and you register and they then kind of collate campaigns for excuse me for brands who will then uh, send they send out an email saying does anybody want to review this thing does it fit in with what they do on on their blog and then you get some sent something for free it could be anything from slippers to coffee um the last one i could remember doing was for some vans trainers or sneakers um, and that was really cool because I ordered them for Oliver. He put them on. And what I do is I treat these things as an opportunity to uh, obviously write a review on the blog and an article about the thing. But I also think, right, let's go out and take some good good photos of, of these products as well. Um, and it's kind of good practice. It kind of forces you to take photos of something that you might not in otherwise. And almost... I like to treat it like a like a commission, really, and go and do that. But any to, anyway, this time the, the email came out saying, "Does anybody want to have a go at reviewing a little remote control helicopter, um, the Robocopter GSD Special Edition from Extreme Flyers?" And you can check them out at extremeflyers.co.uk. That's e x t r e m e f l i e r s dot co uk. But basically, it's one of those very small indoor helicopters that are I don't know six inches long. And they have two counter-rotating blades on the top. Um, and they're kind of self-stabilizing. Um, so it pretty much hovers itself. You know, you, you make it take off with remote control. And then and then you adjust the throttle to, to make it go up and down. But it pretty much it, it stays where it is once it's hovered. And then you can spin it round. And then you can push the stick forwards and back. And it'll move forwards and backwards. Simple to, to kind of get off the ground. But you know, difficult to master to get it to do all the, the things. Um, um, so, so the idea then is to uh, think, okay, so I've got it. So I'll write a review of the helicopter. And lots of people, when they do them, they're, they're quite basic little reviews. But oh, you know, I want to get get to know it. You know, it's it's a basically a gift for Oliver. And so, look, look, you play with it. You tell me what you think, and then I'll use it as an opportunity to try and take lots of great photos for it. Because the other thing that's also in the back of my mind is, if you do some good work and, and you know, and you believe in the product. There's always a chance that maybe the people who have who are going to look at the work, look at the, the article that you do or that I do, might then go, "Oh right, wow, let's send him some other stuff to work on as well." You know, and you never know. You never know what might happen. Nothing's happened yet, but I like to keep an open mind about it. So we've got this little helicopter, and Oliver's been playing with it for a few days, and I've had a few go goes with it as well. It's really good. Um, I was amazed at how stable it is um, when you're flying it around inside. You've got to use it inside because if you go outside, it gets blown all over the place, even in light winds, and the remote control doesn't work too good because it's only infrared. But inside, it's great, and it's a tough little thing as well. We've had loads and loads of crashes, and it, and the only thing that's happened with it is this little gear that kind of meshes inside the body and that sometimes slips out of the way if you have a really bad crash but you can kind of push it back into place with a screwdriver um, so anyway so I've been been uh, quite uh, taken taken with this thing because I've never had to go with the remote control helicopter before I've always think oh you know they're, they're going to smash up or something um, just done remote control c uh, cars but no very impressed very very good so now I've got to take some photographs of it for 
the review that I will do on robnonphoto.com fairly soon. So then you've got to think, well, how, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, what I'll have a go at doing is, because I've been playing around with quite a lot of flash photography, you know, strobe recently, I thought, well, I'll tell you what I know what I'll do. Is how about if I take a, if I take a photo of it, um, say, in our dining room, using flash to illuminate it, but then reduce the ambient light so that the light that's all around it down, so you kind of get an idea of this this little helicopter in its environment where where it was going to take off with. Um, so I set up like two flashes firing at it from different angles, and I played around with the exposure um, to get the, the surrounding room. You could still see it, but it, but it was dark kind of thing. Um, but <laughs> but unfortunately, that kind of photo shoot didn't really work because. The problem I had, there was a bit of comp contamination or bleed from the flashes into the background, making it too light. Or, well, and or the other problem was that there wasn't enough separation between the helicopter and the background either. It just looked a, looked a bit naff. Um, I think a better way that I could probably do it is is do it with light painting. You know, set the camera up on a tripod, bang in a thirty second exposure, and just point a torch at the uh, at the helicopter. But anyway, what I did the next day was I thought, let's go back to the old faithful. So I made up like a, a white seamless background using about six pieces of A4 paper, you know, where you make a curve. Then I sat the helicopter on the paper and then I got my one of my flashes behind the umbrella and got it really, really close so it was on top of it. And then kind of made a bit of a guess at the exposure and th then just did that and just played around with different focal lengths, trying to get as low underneath the, the helicopter as possible in order to kind of simulate the look what what I wanted to do was to make the little little helicopter look really really big and in order to do that you've got to use a low down viewpoint and then try and introduce some perspective distortion as well um, because, the, because the idea is with perspective distortion that means something's very very big so it means going with a wide angle lens and getting very close and, the, and it, you know, and it worked. And you, when, when you're making seamless um, backgrounds out of multiple sheets of, of A4 paper, you, if you if you put them in the right order, where the overlaps are, are kind of facing towards the flash, the flash makes the overlaps disappear. And it kind of uh, yeah, it made, made they, they look alright. If you go on my Flickr photo stream, you can see them, and I'll put a uh, a link to the photos in the blog. And then over the next week or so, I'll do the proper review where you'll see them all all that way. Um, but you know they look they look nice, um, but they were static shots, you know, and they're okay as catalog shots or shots for uh, a website. But um, and also they're good for uh, the uh, assignment we're doing at the moment, which is sell me something. So I'll put some of those up in the um, up in the Rubnonphoto.com Flickr pool as well. Um, but the next challenge was to take a photo of the the helicopter moving, and I must admit I did a bit of research first. And looked to see if anybody had done sort of photos of remote control helicopters, you know, flying around inside the houses. And the answer was lots of people had. Um, but the common thing that I saw, which I didn't particularly like, was they may have used flash or at least very fast shutter speed, which meant that although the little helicopter was in the air, the blades were frozen. Uh, you know, so you could see them in all their glory. Because the problem is, if you start using flash of one of these little helicopters or any. <laughs> thing that's moving fast the flash will actually freeze the action because although your shutter speed could be fairly low at a 200th of a second to sync with your flash the flash itself only fires for like a 10,000th of a second which means it will freeze anything at all and what I wanted was that blur 
the other problem I had though is so so I wanted so I had to use ambient light I couldn't use flash um, so then you've got the big problem of okay I've got to use ambient light we've got to shoot inside they're very overcast days and you know by the time I get home and finish work there's a lot less light around so I'm going to be shooting under tungsten light basically light bulbs in our in our bedroom where there's a, f a little bit of light comes through the windows um, so then you've got to think okay so I'm going to be shooting with the fast 50 get the 50mm 1.8 out um, and I set it like a f2 did a few test exposures and saw that you know I was going to have to really push it up to ISO 800 to get between a, like a f sort of um, 60th of a second and a hundredth of a second shutter speeds but I knew at those shutter speeds I would get good blur on the blades probably um, and I should be able to hand you know hand holding the camera if I, as long as I was tracking with the with the helicopter and also had the focus on on servo mode so it's following the helicopter I should be able to get the odd uh, sharp-ish shot. I mean, I wasn't too pleased at having to go up to ISO 800 because on the 350D it gets a little bit grainy and flat at those sort of ISOs. Um, but anyway, I thought you know I'd have a go, and also uh, setting my white balance to tungsten. But I knew what the, the the key would be to get any half decent shots would be to take loads and loads and loads of photos because I knew because the helicopters little helicopters are zooming around and coming in and out of the focus plane and when you're f two and you're pretty close your depth of field is probably you know a couple of centimeters at the most there was going to be loads and loads of out of focus shots and that the 50 mil mark one lens isn't exactly the fastest thing at focusing so it was going to be motor drive servo mode and take as many photos as possible so anyway so it started off where Oliver was flying the helicopter around and I was trying to take the photos and then we swapped over and I think we managed to get probably two or three that you know they're not works of art by any means but they hopefully because of the fact that you've got movement in the uh, the blades of the helicopter you get a sense of of, of, of speed with the, with the helicopter one thing that we couldn't really do which I'd have liked to do was maybe get some panning shots of the helicopter so the helicopter would be sharp but the background would be blurred to get you a sense of movement that way but that didn't didn't really happen um, but you know I'll, I'll, I'll have another go and uh, and good but the whole experience again of of trying to shoot um, this little helicopter zooming around was great because it gives you practice and all sorts of things from um, you know, shooting moving objects. This to just thinking about if you've got a product or or something and you want it to appear in a certain way, so you have a vision. You know, what would you? What, how do you go around it? So initially, with the product shots, it was right. I want this, want this little helicopter to look bigger. So if I want it to look bigger, I want it to look distorted. So I've got to, you know, use a wide angle lens. And then with the with the flying shots, you know, I want to look like it's flying. I want that blurred, so I know I'm going to have to use a certain shutter speed to capture that movement. And just thinking about it that way and visualising the the, uh, the photos that way. So, you know, I'd recommend anybody, if you want a quick project, you know, just have a look at your kids' toys <laughs> and think about maybe, you know, what you could what you could shoot and do a lot like a little mini project on it. Okay, so my next subject tonight is creating. A PDF portfolio. Excuse me while I take a slurp of coffee from my <laughs> cliche of a mug, which is one of those um, plastic camera lens mugs with a with an aluminium insert. But the coffee tastes oh so good. 
So the idea of creating a PDF portfolio of my work or portfolios of my work, um, as I said, I've been thinking about this a long time because PDF portfolios are a great way to showcase your own work in a really simple way that can be shared across the web. You know, you can email them, you can have them as links, um, and almost everybody will have something on their computer or their phone that enables them to view PDFs if they've got a Mac or a PC or a Chromebook, they've got an Android phone or a iPhone or a Windows phone, they'll be able to look at PDFs. And I was really inspired by the portfolios you can download at rennehauser.com. That's R-E-N-E-H-A-U-S-E-R.com. And Rennie Hauser's a an agent for photographers. And and you, you, you'll find these in other places too, but Rennie Hauser's got, got some really good ones. And there, if you look at like um, the sections for like Rankin or Fred Auerbach, they have PDFs that you can download for their work. And they're really simple. They're just white backgrounds. And it'll be something like Rankin, you'll, within Rankin's different PDF portfolios, there'll be one for like celebrities or one for fashion. And you can download them to your own PC and you, and you can look at them, you can enjoy them. Um, there's there's big portfolios, say like Fred Auerbach's ones or Rankin's, which is fashion. So, that, you know, they're, they're quite big files with lots and lots of photos, but there's also little ones. So you get ones which are like of particular campaigns, like advertising campaigns or or magazine photo shoots, and they might only have four or five photos in, um, but they're easy to look at and they look great, um, and they're great for fans, students. <coughs> but I mean, the the reason why they're created is for for the people who may well commission you to do work, you know, art directors, editors, etc. And with these PDF portfolios they can look at them quickly and simply they can email them to, to other people um, it's not like someone's got a excuse me I've got a bit of trap wind it, it's not like someone's got to tramp round with a big um, with a big physical portfolio they can look at it on their computer screen and it will give them a, a really good idea um, more than this though as well I felt that by creating a portfolio whether it would be on a PDF or other means and that's the big advantage of creating a PDF portfolio is that it's free to make and free to distribute distribute virtually is that it would be a great way to bookend some of my work you know to create a package of what I think is my best work and kind of put a full stop on it and move on to the next kind of um, stage because the way that I work at the moment is that I'll go out you know and I'll take some photographs and a photo work or something and then I'll pick the best ones to edit and I'll edit them and then the ones of those which I think are, are the best of those I'll then upload to my Flickr stream um, and then after a couple of days normally I'll look at them again and the ones of those that I think are really good I add to a special set which I called I call my slideshow and that's kind of a collection of my best work um, but the thing about it is very open-ended and it's a bit tricky to share it as well because I can send you a link to the, and I'll put it in the show notes I can send you a link to, to go to the slideshow and you can watch it um, but you can't download it because there's loads there's loads and loads of photographs in it um, and you just got to sit there and kind of kind of watch the slideshow as these photographs go past one by one you can't well, I suppose you could pause it can you and go backwards and forwards but I felt that it was too big and I'm just adding work to it all the time 
and I just felt that I need to create a piece of work that kind of distills down what I do or have done into a manageable document you know that anyone can download and look at and see what I'm about as a photographer um, if that kind of kind of makes sense so I had a bit of, little bit of research and realized that I could use Google Drive or Google Docs as it used to be called um, to create the document as a PDF and I did a couple of quick tests once to see if you could do it and yes you can and it's really easy um, so normally when you create a portfolio it's normally a series of related photos so that if someone who's going to commission you is uh, wants the you know they want you to take say I don't know architecture photos you would have a, P a portfolio of, of your architecture work so they can look at it and go oh yeah that's what I want and they don't have to dig through all your photos from weddings or pets or your family before they find architecture but you know, I, I felt like I've got all these photos and I've got to distill them down. So I thought, right, what I'll do, I'll just split all the photos I've, I've kind of taken over the last few years that, that of the ones that I share publicly, apart from family ones. You know, so basically the best ones that I've done on Flickr. Um, I'll split them up between pre-DSLR and post-DSLR. So all my work with my little... Um, uh, mainly my Fujifilm S5700 and then my work mainly with my 350D afterwards and then with little bits of film and other little smaller cameras and my, and my phone sort of sprinkled into those as well because I kind of felt that there was a kind of a big build up you know I got back into digital well got back into photography with the S5700 sort of between about 2007 and 2009 and I learnt so much with that great little camera um, and developed so much as well and then I got the the 350D the DSLR and then it was another learning curve as well with, with that sort of equipment um, and from like 2009 to, to now and I thought although it's a bit of a random thing I thought no that, that's been the cut off point I'll do two portfolios one pre one post uh, and we'll see what see what happens so what I then did was that I went through that slideshow on Flickr, you know, the slideshow of my best images, and downloaded the best images from that. So I was distilling it more. Um, so I'm choosing like my favourites from my favourites kind of thing. And if you go to rubnonphoto.com, I've done a I've done an article all about this, all about choosing the photos and creating the PDF file using Google uh, Google Drive or Google Docs. In a, in a lot more detail, so you can go there and see how I did it. But it was it was a long, it was quite a long, slow process. Um, and basically, from 2007 to 2009, I chose 30 photographs, and for 2009 to 12, I chose 42 photographs. You know, so it's a, out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs on on there, you know, I, I only choose only chose those ones, and it was really hard to do that. Um, but I did find it, as I said before, very cathartic. It really helped me. And I enjoyed looking at some of the photos that I'd taken that I hadn't seen in quite a while. To be critical about them as well. And to kind of see the, the flow and ebb of the type and style of photos and editing that I'd taken show as well. And it felt really good to kind of package them up, put them together and say, look, this is what I think was my best work at this particular time you know and you can download them from my website you go to rubnonphoto.com and look on the right hand side near the top underneath all the menu bars it says download 
PDF portfolios and it gives you the the size of the files the second one's quite large actually it's um it's about 34 megabytes so you know don't do it on your mobile phone well I suppose you could do it's not that big but the first one's only 15 megabytes um and it felt really good to to package these these photos up and say there you go you know that at this particular moment in time that's what I think was my best photos from that time period um and I'm not showing that, saying that the content of those portfolios won't change. I know I've made a mistake in choosing some of those photos. There's some I've missed out as well. I thought, why aren't they in there? And some that are in there, I think they shouldn't be. But I kind of feel that that work is done, you know, and I'm ready to move on to, 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 to better work or different work anyway. Um, and I'd recommend it to anybody, you know. So if you think you could benefit from the process of going through your work, you know, picking what you think is the best or getting somebody else to help you, um, and then create a port PDF portfolio and then share it, you know, or keep it for yourself, you know. Check out the instructions on robinonphoto.com. Again, I'll put the links um, in the show notes for show for show 205 because, excuse me, I really did find it a great way to summarise my work and it's really energised me, ready for the next phase of my photography, you know, to, to, to go on and, and start building towards my next towards my next portfolio um, so yeah give it a go you'll be surprised it's very enjoyable and you know by all means please download my portfolios and and leave some comments on the websites about what you think whether you know are they are they well, I, I don't know photography is a very personal thing isn't it I, I take photos because I enjoy doing it and I enjoy sharing them um, those photos in my portfolios I particularly enjoy and I think they're okay but if you were to ask somebody else if you had to ask Suzanne for example or Oliver which ones do you like they would have a totally different idea so so there we go but give it a go it will definitely energise you as well I think for your next phase uh, in your photography uh, evolution well that's it for this week there won't be as big a gap again until the next podcast probably one in two weeks time I think thanks to everybody who's been over and commented on robinandphoto.com the blog thank you very much the commenters um, in the Flickr group as well um, Everyday Jones who do the intro and outro music you can find their stuff for free load download at everydayjones.com um, excuse me but most of all thanks to you for listening well downloading and listening to the podcast my name's Rob from robnonphoto.com. Remember, you can email me with any questions or ideas to scalespeeder at gmail.com. That's S-C-A-L-E-S-P-E-E-D-E-R at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully, pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr. <laughs>